Hey there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for your mercy, your grace, your sacrifice. You're so good to us, Lord. Father, I pray in these next moments this afternoon that you'll bless this time of coming around your word, camping around the very words of God from the Bible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. (laughs) Cheers, man. Well... Good afternoon. Hey, kids, do you want to go and grab a seat? Go and grab a seat with mom and dad. That'd be great. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, if this is your 1,000th time in Springs Church or your very, very first time, it is an absolute pleasure to say welcome. And uh, there are new welcome packs on the way. So do yourself a favor and maybe come back for the next few weeks. And as soon as the, as soon as the company have released the new mugs, oh, you too can have your very own welcome mug from here at Springs Church. And uh, my name's Pete, uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my absolute pleasure um, to bring uh, the message this afternoon. And um, it's good to be in church, right? Uh, some lovely to see some visitors, uh, old faces, new faces, so good to see you uh, as well, you're very welcome. And, um, and so, the possible title for today's message was, where do we go, where do we go now? Uh, not quite um, sung in the red, uh, well, no, what's it called, Guns and Roses tune. But where do we go from here? Uh, we here at Springs Church last week when we celebrated Pentecost Sunday. Is anyone here? Okay, cool. And uh, so last week we were celebrating the day that the Bible remembers the Holy Spirit of God coming in power onto all the followers of Jesus. What the heck does that mean, Pete? It basically means this. That the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all God. God is one, but we believe in the different aspects, the different persons of uh, God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father God sent Jesus, God in flesh, to come and walk amongst us, to dwell among us, to show us a new way to be human and, and show us the way back to Father God. And then Jesus got very excited after he was resurrected from the dead. He spent 40 days, 40 days with the disciples, teaching them about the Holy Spirit. Teaching them about the fact that the presence and personality and power of God was going to come upon them and they would be empowered to be witnesses for the gospel of Jesus throughout the world. Amazing. Jesus ascends to heaven. Ten days later, the followers of Jesus, the disciples and all the others, they're, they're found in an upper room in Jerusalem. I visited there. It's really cool. And, um, and while they were there, after 10 days, the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus promised, came into the room and blessed them and rested on them and gave them the power to speak in other languages in order to take the message of Jesus out into the world. Incredible. So now the Holy Spirit has come, just like Jesus said that he would. And so the question surely now is now what? Now what? Okay, we followed Jesus for three years, say the disciples. And then he dies, and we were like, now what? And then he resurrected. 
And we're like, now what? And Jesus is like, Holy Spirit's coming. Holy Spirit's coming. Holy Spirit's coming. And then Jesus goes back to heaven. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And now it's a case of, now what? Now what do we do? Right straight after that day of Pentecost, you can see on the screen there, it says that the disciples, the followers of Christ, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles were the disciples who had now been commissioned as apostles to take the message out. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Incredible. What now? Well, now we're full of the Holy Spirit. This is what we're going to do. We're going to devote ourselves to the teaching of Peter and John and all the other guys, right? And then what, they, what are they going to teach us? Well, Jesus told them to teach everybody else everything he'd commanded. So the apostles were teaching the words of Jesus. And well, what was Jesus teaching in the first place? Jesus was teaching the Old Testament. He was opening the eyes of the people to understand the Old Testament. So they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Now, we've moved on from Pentecost Sunday. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to dig into some apostles' teaching. Is that okay? So we're going to get stuck into the teaching of one of the apostles. You may have heard of the Apostle Paul. Anyone heard of the Apostle Paul? He wasn't one of the original 12. He wasn't one of the original 12. But Jesus met him in such a radical way that he was blessed to be an apostle with the other 11. It's amazing. Just incredible. So the Apostle Paul, I'm excited by him. He's a gutsy Christian. Did you know that? If you've ever read the Bible, you'll know that Paul is a gutsy Christian. He's a gutsy kind of guy. But before we uh, dig into that, I just want to let you in on, we're going to look at a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a bunch of Christians in a city in Greece called Philippi. Philippi still exists today. You can go and visit the ruins of ancient Philippi today if you would like to. We're going to look at what did the Apostle Paul write to these Christians? What did he think was important for them to hear? But before we get there, let me tell you about Philippi. Let me tell you about Philippi. Do you want the scene set? We're like a scene setter. So first of all, Philippi, it's on mainland Greece. Anyone holidayed on mainland Greece? Yeah, just a few of us. Most of us do the islands. But Philippi is on mainland Greece. It's hot, it's sunny, and it's right by the coast. And so they've got those beautiful, crystal clear turquoise seas. Anyone know the kind I'm talking about? This is Philippi. Anyone want to get called to Philippi? Yeah, come on, guys. Come on, Lord. So Philippi, uh, in the day of Paul, it was a Roman colony. It was an incredibly important city. In Philippi, you would find the height of modern life. There was so much wealth banging around. Because just down the road, there were gold mines and silver mines. There was a lot of money flying around in Philippi. It was the high, if you've been to a Mediterranean uh, kind of scene on holiday, you'll know the type, restaurants everywhere. Did you know the Romans had restaurants everywhere? True story, right? Bathhouses, swimming pools, the life was being lived in Philippi. Mediterranean food, aplenty. Have you ever been to those Mediterranean food markets where the colours are so vibrant you can't wait to dive in? To those massive, extremely red tomatoes that we don't seem to get here. Olives all over the place, beautiful. It's next to the sea, so you can well imagine if there's a, there's a huge fish market. Anyone into fish? Any pescatarians in the place? All right. 
fish market, beautiful, the sights, the sounds, the smells, the wonders. It's a beautiful place, it's Philippi. It's the kind of place you want to retire to. Funnily enough, it's exactly where Roman soldiers would love to retire to. It was a retirement village, a retirement city where everything was on tap. (laughs) See, the thing was, because it was full of Roman soldiers that had fought for their country, it was an incredibly nationalistic place to be. We'd say today it was very right-wing. The people were very, very protective of what they had. And why wouldn't you be? Philippi is a beautiful place. We don't know we don't any new ideas coming to spoil things, do we? But you see, with Philippi, there was a dark underbelly. Like most places on planet Earth, there was a dark underbelly to Philippi. You see, Philippi, as I've said, was home to loads of ex-soldiers. There'd have been a dark underbelly in the soul of Philippi. It would have been full of families whose fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers and brothers and uncles and all that kind of stuff. They were families who ultimately had profit, who were profiting from invasion of other Europeans and Africa and elsewhere across the world. Humans bought and sold like cattle. People's lives sold into slavery. The gold and silver that people were wearing on their fingers and around their necks was dug out of the ground through blood, sweat, and tears of slaves. The city was full of battle-hardened men, scarred by the memories of watching their friends die in battle, souls stained with sin guilt of murder and pillage. You see, before the Romans got there, Philippi was incredibly important for the ancient Greeks. Anyone like the story of Troy? Anyone ever read? You know, it's kind of, it's a bit better than the, uh, what's it, the Brad Pitt version of the film. But back in Philippi, Philippi was named after Philip of Macedon, or Philip of Macedonia. His son was Alexander the Great. This city was built upon generations of war and violence and jealousy and greed. It was in the DNA of this city. Whilst it all looked good from the outside, would you agree with me, there was a dark underbelly to Philippi. This was Philippi. It looked stunning from the outside, but could I make a bold statement? It was utterly dead on the inside. Utterly dead on the inside. The soul of the city was utterly screwed up and in desperate need of a saviour. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Turkey, there's a place called Troas. And the Apostle Paul, he's travelled out of Jerusalem. He's starting to take the message of Jesus across Europe. And he's in this place called Troas. It's in Turkey. It's over the water from Macedonia, from Philippi, current-day Greece. And Paul has it in his heart to go further east to take the message of Jesus. But you can imagine... The Pet Shop Boys song in your head, Go West. So this one night, the Apostle Paul is, is, is going to sleep. And in the middle of the night, God gives Paul a vision of a Macedonian man. And in this vision, this Macedonian man is saying to Paul, come over to Greece and help us. Come over to Greece and help us. I think it's incredible 
that the mind of Paul was to take the gospel further east, but there was a city desperate for salvation, and God was saying, go west. You might be sitting in church today, and everything in you wants to continue on the journey that you have planned, on the journey that you have known, the journey you're in charge of, but perhaps the savior of your soul today is saying, it's time to go west. It's time to go the other way, the way you thought. Way. So the Bible says this, that Paul got ready at once, and he went to Philippi. He went west. Incredible. I think it's amazing that the Apostle Paul was so brave that as soon as God said something to him, he obeyed it, and he went. He didn't know what he would find there. He didn't know the people he would see or meet. Amazing. You see, this is what Paul did. He gets off the boat at Philippi. Remember, the weather's beautiful. It's hot and sunny. You know, he probably wants to just dive in the sea and freshen up before he gets out into the city. He starts to get into the city. And Paul would have this uncanny way of discovering people where he could start a church of new believers. And he would always go and find the local Jewish population because Jews and Christians have a lot in common. And so Paul would start with the people that he had in common with. If you're trying to share your faith with people at the moment, can I, can I suggest just share it with people in common? You have things in common with. So Paul, he can't find any Jewish blokes. He can't find any local synagogues. He couldn't even find 10 Jewish men to come together and, afford, and form an unofficial synagogue. And so he decides to himself, I'm going to go down to the place where people all over the world go to pray. Take me to the river. So Paul goes down to the river, and there he finds a ladies' prayer meeting. How cool is that? And he starts to share the story of Jesus with this group of ladies who were already God-fearers, believers in God, but did not yet know the Messiah, Jesus. Well, guess what? People start to become Christians. It's amazing what's going on. And he meets this one particular lady called Lydia. Do we have any Lydias in the room? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Two Lydias. Gosh, we are blessed. All right, so. So he finds this lady called Lydia. Now, Lydia is an amazing woman. Lydia is a really successful businesswoman. She was a dealer in purple cloth. Now, back in the day, you could only wear purple if you could afford the dye that went onto the cloth to make the purple clothing. Purple dye was incredibly rare and incredibly expensive to produce. And here's Lydia, the businesswoman, absolutely owning the market. She's cornered the market. And uh, Paul starts to share the message of Jesus with Lydia. And Lydia is so excited about the message of Jesus, it says that she opens her home and people start to come into her home and they too start to hear about Jesus. This is how the church starts in Philippi. Are you enjoying the story so far? I want to go east. Nah, go west. What do I do when I get there? Don't know. God knew that Paul would find Lydia. He knew that Lydia would open her home. He knew that her home would be a place of sanctuary for people to come to find out more about the Messiah, Jesus. So Paul hangs around there for a while. And, and while he's there, he's walking to the river again one day to go and pray. And while he's there, a demon-possessed girl starts shouting in front of Paul and his mate Silas, look out, these men, they have come to tell you about Jesus. 
Now, do you remember I told you this was a nationalistic society? Don't you go messing with our culture. This demon-possessed girl was announcing the gospel, but in a way that was going to be detrimental and cause harm. Well, this went on for days. Day after day, Paul would go to the river to pray, and this girl is announcing, trying to stir up trouble. The enemy of our souls, the devil, was trying to spoil things in Philippi because he wanted that underbelly, underbelly to stay dark. Paul has enough. He looks at this girl and he, and he casts the demon out of her. She's set free. No more demon in this girl. No more influence of, of Satan in this girl. Problem is, she was a slave girl and she had owners. And the owners liked her because, uh, because uh, the demon in her would act as a medium and the medium would tell people their futures and people were making lots and lots of money uh, out of this girl. So when Paul and Silas get rid of this demon, these slave masters are now out of pocket. And so they take Paul and Silas and they throw them in front of the magistrates. And the magistrate has them thrown into prison. This is a crazy way to start a journey, to start a new church. Paul and Silas are thrown into prison. The magistrate told the, jail, uh, uh, the, the jailer to, to make sure that you keep them very, very secure. We don't want these troublemakers getting out. It's midnight on the first night of their captivity. Paul and Silas, they start to praise God. Rather than get down in the dumps, give in to their doubts and fears and convince themselves that Jesus has abandoned them, they start to praise God. They start to sing songs like, When I don't feel like praising or giving, honor this due to his name, I will tell my soul. Come on, Silas. Get up and praise. Get up and praise. And then they get to the bridge. And they don't know what's going to happen yet. Because when they started singing this, it wasn't in the Bible yet. So they didn't know it was going to happen. And I will praise and watch the walls come down. Whoa. And I will praise and watch my chains fall off. And at the stroke of midnight, as they're praying and praising, a mighty earthquake hits, the, the, the cell gets rumbled, the, the, the door flies open, their chains fall off. And they have a chance to run and escape. But Paul knows only too well that if we run away and save ourselves, that jailer who's been commanded to not let us go, he's going to end up being executed for failing. They find the jailer, and they find the jailer about to commit suicide. And Paul says, don't do it, mate, don't do it. And they stay with the jailer. And the Lord makes it so that the next day the magistrate releases them. They had an opportunity to save themselves, but they chose to save the jailer before themselves. Isn't that incredible? Guess what happened? The jailer and his whole family, they come to faith in Jesus Christ. Who is this Jesus? What is this selflessness? What is this courage? What is this boldness? Never encountered it. I want to know more. The jailer, I, I reckon, ends up in Lydia's house. Can't believe he's in this rich businesswoman's uh, uh, living room. And in this living room, there in Philippi, the church of Philippi begins. What a story. Joe, will you just share that word you had in the prayer meeting before I go any further? 
So we were praying um, this afternoon just before the service started. Um, and actually God gave me a picture uh, while we were praying. Um, it's always a bit of a random picture that God gives me. So he actually gave me a picture of a full-strength bottle of squash. Yes, that's right, a full-strength bottle of squash. Um, but what I really felt and heard God saying to the time at the time, he was reminding us that he's the same God that was in the past, <laughs> is today, and is in the future. The power that we have access to, he is full strength, full power. It hasn't diminished. It hasn't been diluted in any way. He is 100% still the same God that broke down the walls and broke off the chains, can do it today, and will do it again in the future. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. To the same God, the same God who said, I know you want to go that way, Paul, but I'm saying this way. The same God who took Paul to a prayer meeting by the riverside. The same God who walked into Lydia's life through Paul. The same God who made a businesswoman's home become a sanctuary for others to discover Jesus. The same God who was with Paul and Silas in the jail cell is the same God with you tonight. Is that incredible? Is that a drink? <coughs> That'll do. Is that a kid? All down the beard. <coughs> amazing. This church kicked off in an amazing way. What a start for a new church. What an introduction to the power of God for these new believers. Let me ask this question. What was in the DNA of this new church right from the start? What was in the DNA? First of all, generosity. Hello? Lydia opened her home. You with me tonight? Hospitality. She fed the people. Her home was no longer her castle. Her home was an embassy for the kingdom of God. The DNA of this church was encouragement. The DNA of this church was an expectation of phenomenal miracles. The DNA of this church was experience of God having authority over demons. The idea that persecution presents opportunity for the gospel was in the DNA of this new church. Wow. See, in the DNA of this new church in Philippi was even prison cells can become platforms. For the power of God to be made known. What prison cells do you find yourself in tonight? Spiritual, emotional, whatever they are. Maybe you've come out of prison recently. Even prison cells can become platforms for the power of God in our lives. Thank you God, the same God. I wonder what's in the DNA of this particular village, Gornal. I wonder what's in the, in the DNA of this particular church. We're believing for a people of faith, hope, love, and joy to rise up. That's the kind of DNA that can change the DNA of our, our local community. What God is doing in us flies in the face of the generational curses of this town. What God, by his Holy Spirit, is doing in us flies in the face of the enemy of our souls who wants to rob, steal, and destroy so we will praise and watch the walls come down. We will praise and watch the chains of our lives and our community fall off. So anyway, let's get to the scripture. <laughs> Ten years later, 
Paul winds up in prison again. Oh, Paul, what are you doing, mate? You see, the gospel of Jesus is troublesome because when you encounter the purity of the love of God, it's like a perfect mirror that reflects back to you the things that are not right, and then you've got to do something about it. And no one wants to deal with the ugly parts of their souls. And so when Paul's going around talking about the gospel of Jesus, it causes trouble. People don't want to hear it. Don't go messing with my mojo. Get in prison, Paul. This ain't the first time Paul's been in prison. But do you remember the first time he was in prison? Paul didn't mind prison so much. And so when he's in prison, this time in Rome, under house arrest, he writes a letter to the church he started 10 years ago. Wow. Now this book, Philippians, it's beautiful. It's not even a book, it's a letter, four short chapters. And in the very, very middle of this book called Philippians, there is a poem. It's not like a poem in English, but when it was originally written in Greek, when you read it, it was a poem to help Christians understand and remember easily uh, uh, theology about Jesus. This is what you'll find in the middle of the book of Philippians, like the center of a brainstorm. Can we get that on the screen, please? Uh, it should be a different one. That scripture in big. Is it there? No? Okay, you can't see it. I'll read it for you. In the middle of Philippians, it says this. Have this in mind. Can you just turn to the person next to you and just say, have, have this in mind, will you? Have this in mind. Have this in mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was God, he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped onto. But he, Jesus, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. And so right in the center of this letter, you've got this beautiful thing. The idea that God came to earth in flesh and emptied himself in order to raise us up. Whatever else you're taught today, keep that in mind. So here's the scripture. Let's get it on the screen. It should be coming up. There we go. Paul and Timothy servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. In other words, Paul and Timothy, yes, we are apostles. Yes, we are church planters. Yes, we are mighty and powerful, but we are servants first and foremost. Where did they get that from? The same Jesus that emptied himself to serve the world. To all God's holy people, to your Lydia's, your jailers, and all the rest of them, the ladies' prayer meeting. And to us today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel, of, uh, uh, the gospel from this first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, Lydia, Jayla, ladies prayer meeting, the rest of you in Philippi, 
everyone in Springs Church this afternoon, I'm confident of this, that he, Jesus, who began a good work in you, is, is faithful to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all, uh, for all of you with affection, with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. If you're sitting in church today and you once gave your life to Jesus, he who began a good work in you, it's not over. He's not finished. Some of you have looked in the mirror and thought, I can't carry on this faith journey. I can't carry on this life of following Jesus. Don't you worry. The Spirit of God is still powerfully present in you, and he's faithful to complete what he started. Is that good? You see, if God was going to start something in Philippi, he wasn't going to leave him in the lurch. And if God's going to start something in you, he's not going to leave you in the lurch either. And in Paul, I love this. I just want to stand this out. Paul's praying for the church, and let's pray for each other as we consider such a thing, that our love for Jesus will grow so that we will know what is pure and righteous and what is the right way to go. We don't want to know Jesus just to get all fluffy and cotton wools in life. We want to know Jesus so we can make pure, excellent decisions. Wow. Next screen. So Paul's still writing to, you know, all those guys at Philippi. And he says this, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, being in prison that is, has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. In other words, well, if Paul ain't scared, we ain't going to be scared, says the rest of the church. If Paul's not fearing, if Paul's still trusting in God, though he's in prison, how much more can we trust in God? I see a church full of people not in prison today. If Paul's not scared, what have we got to fear? Wow. You see... We've said it before in this church, but by God's grace, setbacks are often God's set-ups for something wonderful to happen. You see, the gospel advanced in Paul, but the gospel also advanced to the people who were keeping him captive. Can anybody else like me look back at all the times that were setbacks and now realize that it was God setting us up for a move, a leading of his Holy Spirit? A check on our hearts to make sure we're going in the way the Lord wants us to go. Church, opposition can become opportunity. Let humility and integrity lead the way. And op opposition can become opportunity. And then Paul goes on to say this. He says, that it is true that some people are preaching Christ because they're jealous and they're my rivals. But others are doing it out of goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. But the others, they do it out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does that matter? The important thing is this, that in every way, whether it comes from false motives or true, 
Let them preach Christ. I ain't bothered. It's the best thing that could possibly happen. I love Paul's attitude here. (laughs) Because of this, I rejoice. And yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Church, this afternoon, can we be spoken to by the Apostle? I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work is faithful to complete it in you. And he's confident that because of the prayers and the provision of God, what has happened to you will work out for good. He will deliver. Thank you, Lord. Next screen. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, that will mean fruitful labor for me. Yeah, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. You see, I want to go to be with Jesus in heaven, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I'm still here. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Paul says this intriguing thing. While I'm here on this earth, for me to live is to follow Christ. And to die is gain. Oh, it's a good thing to pass into the presence of our Savior. But while you need me here on earth, Lord, I'll live for you. Are there any amens in the heart today? He says this to finish off. Would you say with me, whatever happens, whatever happens, whatever has happened, church, whatever happens, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, (laughs) but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but actually also to suffer for him, since you're going to go through the same struggle you saw that I had, and now hear that I still have. Following Jesus is not easy. Following the voice of the Holy Spirit when he says go west when you are going to go east is not easy. Turning up and your plan, your normal plan of finding your normal people and they're not there and having to look for others is not easy. We're Church of Jesus Christ this afternoon. Whatever happens in this life, conduct yourselves. Conduct yourselves. Have any of you, like me, ever conducted yourself in a way that is not worthy of Jesus? Hello. About 10 years ago, I had to give up road rage for Lent. True story. I actually gave up being an idiot when driving the car for 40 days. And guess what? I'm less of an idiot. (laughs) Whatever happens, when there's no money in the bank, are you still going to treat your wife well? You've had no sleep for four weeks. 
how we conduct yourself. When you're in church with a brother or sister that has let you down and you want to fly off the handle and you want to you say all sorts, you want to air their dirty laundry, how are you going to conduct yourself? In the workplace, when you have the opportunity to gain selfishly, but the Spirit of God says, integrity and humility are more important to me than your gain. How are you going to conduct yourself? Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. Gosh, guys, didn't we get off to a good start 10 years ago? Oh, it's so cool. Do you remember that night that you were praying for us and, and we praised Jesus in the middle of the night and there was an earthquake and we were set free? Mad. Do you remember the jailer, the chap that was keeping me captive? Do you remember how he became a Christian and his life got turned upside down and for the better? And oh. Do you remember how Lydia opened up her house? So good, good times. Bad times also come. Conduct yourself worthy of Christ. Wow. Let your heart be challenged this afternoon. Whatever happens, church, we have a saviour who fights for us. We have a redeemer who brings us back from the brink. We have a healer who never forgets us. We have a friend who never leaves us. We have a king whose authority is higher than any authority in heaven on earth. So whatever happens, Lydia, whatever happens, Jailer, whatever happens, ladies from the prayer meeting, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, Pete, whatever happens, Springs Church, conduct yourself in a manner that when God sees that the way that we act and respond, he goes, that's my kid, that is. You see how they reacted? Love them. How can I not bless them? Wow. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We're going to bring this into land this afternoon. Is everyone okay? Had your ear rolls preached off, aren't you? Sorry. We're going to be taking communion together. We're going to be taking bread. And we're going to be taking juice. Let's remember the sacrifice of Jesus in a sec. Now, you've all eaten bread a thousand times. And you've all eaten, uh, you've all drunk wine or juice. A, well, hopefully not a thousand times with your wine, but... We've all eaten bread and drank a bit of juice and whatnot before. But when the family of God come together to remember the pure, selfless work of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, when we take a little bread together and take a little drink together, we enter into a holy moment of remembrance of the God that we serve. If you've never become a Christian, if you've never said, yes, I want to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you today that the same God in the church at Philippi, the same mighty God at work in the Apostle Paul is the same mighty God who today, this very moment, is available to you. And he's calling you. And he's saying, yeah, you might have been going east. In other words, a life far from me, no particular interest. But today the Holy Spirit in this place is saying, hey, why don't you walk differently from today? Why don't you come into faith in me? Why don't you come into knowledge of me? Perhaps today you want to get your life right with God and ask him to forgive you of the sin. Maybe there's a dark underbelly. Everything looks great on the outside, but there's an undertone of 
rejection, shame, remorse, and guilt, and you're just like, God, I, I want a clean slate. Maybe that's you today. God loves you so much that he gave his only son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. If in your heart today you are deciding to follow Christ, asking him to forgive you of sin, and asking his wonderful Holy Spirit to lead you from this day on, I want to invite you too to take some bread and a little drink to remember the body of Jesus broken for you and broken for me on the cross. A little juice reminding us of the blood shed for us that we could receive salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord. Can we just get that little brainstorm up there still? With this beautiful poem in the middle of Philippians. Some key messages today. True leadership is serving one another. True leadership is service. What else would we... seen. We've seen that God won't give up on us because he who began a good work in us is what? Faithful to complete it. Loving Jesus more and more equals discerning what is pure. Come love Jesus more. Opposition becomes opportunity for the gospel to abound in you and to others. And because we love him so much, let's conduct ourselves in in a manner worthy of Christ. Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.